Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys part two about the terrorist attack on September 11th, 2001. So grab your fire department coffee and let's dive in. If you guys haven't, go listen to part one of our 9-11 series. It's going to give you a good chunk of background information leading up to the point where we're going to start off today. So something about the 9-11 attacks is that media on it was huge. Um, Within just a couple minutes of the first plane hitting the Twin Towers, there was already camera crews giving live feeds of what was going on. And because of this, when the second plane hit the Twin Towers, there were multiple news stations already videotaping it. And so it was getting nationwide press almost immediately. Something else that I found just kind of interesting in researching information about this, which I knew, but I guess I kind of forgot until I reread it again. President Bush was, he was alerted about it all going on at 9.05 a.m., And he actually was in an elementary school about to read books to a class. And Chief of Staff Andrew Card came in, was like, America's under attack. And they have that all on video as well. And so just overall, an overarching thing about this event is that we very early on had a lot of video coverage. And because of this, it impacted millions of people, nation and worldwide, honestly. So like Abby said, this was something that impacted the nation and there were almost 3,000 people that lost their lives during the 9-11 attacks. And this included citizens from 78 different countries in the attacks in New York, Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania. So when people say that this is something that kind of made the world stand still, they mean that literally because it impacted not only America, but so many other countries as well. Around 9 p.m. on September 11th, 2001, President Bush delivers a televised address regarding the events that had occurred that day, stating, quote, terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve, end quote. So two very well-known groups came into effect because of 9-11 and they were both signed into effect by president george bush these two foundations were the office of homeland security and tsa or transportation security administration the office of homeland security was founded on october 8th 2001 and it's now one of the largest organizations of the federal government their main responsibility is to prevent terror attacks to provide border security, to handle immigrations and customs, disaster relief, and prevention, and then anything else kind of related to that. So they have a lot of things on their plate that they're kind of handling, but a big part of it is preventing terror attacks so that we don't see something like 9-11 happen again. TSA did come into effect in November of 2001. And their responsibility is to protect the nation's transportation systems to ensure freedom of movement for people in commerce. That is their mission statement. 
So they kind of came into effect in order to handle a lot of the things that we see now if we fly or travel. One thing that I didn't mention earlier, but something else that happened with travel right after 9-11, all flights were landed while these attacks were going on just to prevent any other attack. But all flights remained grounded until September 14th. And even at that point, air travel was very little. And this was partially because a lot of Americans were not willing to fly. So the amount of flying that occurred really dropped for airports. They saw not a lot of traffic. So a few changes that the TSA put into effect after 9-11 to prevent terrorist attacks are things like taking off belts, taking electronics out of bags, not allowing anything that could be used as a weapon onto a plane. So things like box cutters. Like Abby mentioned in part one, box cutters were actually a big thing that were used by terrorists in order to overtake these planes. So that is why things like this are kind of taken into consideration when you're getting on a plane. It's so wild to me to think about the fact that there was a time where you could just take stuff like that on a plane because in our lifetime we don't know that at all so it's just absolutely insane to me it is and i mean neither of us ever flew before 2001 so i mean we were we were pretty young when this occurred so we never ever saw this but i know many people did all the changes but prior to that you know baggage didn't have to be checked family members could walk you all the way to the gate you didn't have to wait in line to check your baggage and to go through all of the all of the security and the the metal detectors and all of the things that you go through now it was very very different one thing that is interesting to me i guess i don't know you know how when you're flying you have to take your shoes off to go through the metal detector and stuff this was actually not due to 9-11 but the shoes being taken off was actually due to to a man named Richard Reed, who was a bomber that packed explosives in his shoes and tried to go through the airport. And this was in December of 2001, so just a few months after 9-11 occurred. And this was what led to, you know, TSA adding in, all right, now we're going to have to take your shoes off. I know I've heard of this. He was not successful in blowing up the plane. They found the shoes and the explosives, correct? Yes, they did. Okay. I thought so, but I just wanted to double check. Yeah, and he was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences plus 110 years with no parole. (laughs) They did not mess around. No. Which is... Fair. Fantastic. Yeah. I have no complaints. Because if his plan had worked out, I mean, it would have been a significant amount of people. It's not like just one murder where sometimes what they determine is how much time they should spend in jail. You kind of question... But like this would have been, if successful, pretty open shut. He would have killed at least, I would assume, 35 at the minimum. Oh, yeah. People because his plan was to get on the plane, blow it up, and he would blow out like the fuel gauge on the plane and it would just, you know, make the entire plane explode. So not not a great guy. Then in December of 2002 is when the TSA mandated that you go through an x-ray machine as you're getting on to the plane as part of going through security. Obviously, this has improved a lot over the years, but they just basically take an x-ray to determine what is in your baggage, what's in, ter- what's in the boxes, and things that you're bringing with you. And then if they can't determine what's in there specifically, that's when they'd pull it off to the side and they'll start looking through it. Then in April of 2003, 
the TSA decided to add in for pilots to start carrying firearms on flights and other things to protect the cockpits. The TSA also announced in April 2003 that all airplanes had to have reinforced cockpit doors on all of their planes so that people could not push through them. In August of 2006, all liquids were banned and they added additional air marshals. Shortly after, though, in September, they did change this a little bit so that you could bring liquids if they were 3.4 ounces or less, but it had to be in a clear container so that people could see what was in it. In March of 2008, they did add canine units to security airport security forces just to make sure there were no bombs on board in the baggage or anything like that. In December of 2009 is actually when they added the full body scanners that we now step into. And this was due to another Al-Qaeda extremist who tried to detonate an explosive device that he'd hid in his underwear. So this obviously led to the need for additional security. Those are the biggest and most notable changes to airport security that have occurred since 2001 due to the 9-11 attacks and due to, you know, two other terrorist attacks that were attempted during those years. As we know, these attacks were very catastrophic and very damaging. Just from the World Trade Center site, it took nine months to clean up 1.8 million tons of wreckage, which is just insane. This is obviously also a very financially devastating attack to the United States and to all of the economies. So New York's economy alone lost 143,000 jobs a month and 2.8 billion wages in the first three months. And the estimated cost of the World Trade Center damage was $60 billion, with the cost to clean it all up being $750 million. I'm not surprised. Uh, The Twin Towers, they basically were just raised, and they, I think they have... I should know this. They they have something else there in that site now, correct? Yes, and I'll get into that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I um, actually visited New York City when I was in like fifth grade. So it would have been maybe like a handful of years after the attacks. And I remember they still just, they had it fenced off and it was just basically still kind of an empty site. I, I'm pretty sure they were working on some type of memorial. I don't know if that's what it ended up being. I have no idea. But I mean, that was only, I mean, that was five years, five or six years after the attacks. And still they had not a lot to show, not a lot to show for it. Yeah, that has definitely changed since that time. On top of all the financial repercussions from the damages, there was all of the compensation that was given to families. So from 2001 to 2004, Over $7 billion in compensation was given to families of the 9-11 victims and of the almost 3,000 people that had been injured in the attacks. That was signed into effect by President Bush. Then in 2011, President Obama signed the James Zadraga 9-11 Health and Compensation Act into law. And this was based off of a New York City police officer named James Zadraga, who had died of respiratory disease because he'd suffered from so much rubble and smoke from ground zero or from being at ground zero. And this 
act gave additional funding to all of the victims involved in 9-11. And that was set up to end in December of 2020. However, in July of 2019, President Trump signed a law that authorized support for the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund that goes through 2092. So that will not be ending for a very long time. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. So obviously there were a lot of health effects that came from being at the site of the attacks. So by 2018, 10,000 people had been diagnosed with September 11th related cancer just from being in that area. I mean, obviously you would anticipate a lot of health issues, but like this is just cancer from it. That is that is just cancer. That blows my mind because I mean, just think about just the smaller things like people who weren't as aggressively impacted, but obviously still have health conditions from it. That's probably a lot. I'm going to go into a few other health conditions that came out of this. A month after September 11th, nearly 50% of people who'd been living near the Twin Towers stated that they all had nose, throat, and eye irritation from being in that area, which is very understandable. Cardiovascular and cerebrovascular diseases all increased within two to three weeks after 9-11. This was really prominent among women and anybody over the age of 65. The amount of respiratory admissions to the hospital also significantly increased within the first week for those that were in that area. There were also a lot of different, so there was just a ton of studies done in health-wise in general, but there were different diseases that that had impacted women that were pregnant at this time that had been exposed to this attack. There was about 8% of residents that had newly diagnosed asthma that came right after September 11th. And then obviously the mental health um, was a big, big thing. Um, There were so many people that came forward and obviously came out with diagnoses like post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, um, and now are seeking treatment for all of these different diagnoses that they have from either being at the site of the attacks or being directly impacted by losing a family member or family members. So as Abby had asked about, there were different memorials that had come about right after this. So some of the first memorials were right when the attacks were happening. Obviously, there were candlelight vigils and flower vigils and all kinds of things going around, going on at all of the U.S. embassies around the world. Something that I found interesting was in Great Britain, Queen Elizabeth sang the American National Anthem during the changing the guard at Buckingham Palace. And Rio de Janeiro put up billboards showing the city's Christ the Redeemer statue that was embracing the New York skyline, which sounds pretty cool. I have not found a picture of it. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I'm a big fan of that monument, statue, whatever you want to call it. And I can just imagine that because it's already such an impactful one. So for them to put that on there, the New York skyline as well, like, that's great. That's really neat. Yeah, I thought it was really cool to see how much the world was really coming together 
in the wake of all of these attacks. There is now also a memorial from where the World Trade Center sat, and it is twin reflecting pools that are about an acre in size that sit there with the largest man-made waterfalls in North America. That's cool. And I thought so. And then they have every single name of the victims listed on this memorial. These victims not only include everybody who died on September 11th, 2001, but the, it also includes six victims from the 1993 bombing at the World Trade Center. This one is not at all related to Al-Qaeda, but there, in a February of 1983, a bomb exploded in a parking garage at the World Trade Center and it resulted in the death of six people. So they are also included at this memorial because it happened at the same location. In 2002, so the first anniversary of the attacks, they had two bright columns of light that shot up into the sky where the Twin Towers once stood. I think that that's something that most people think about when they hear about like the memorials. It is referred to as the Tribute in Light. And it is now an annual thing that is put on by the Municipal Art Society of New York. That's I think that's what I remember from my trip, them saying that they put those lights up every year. I was going to say, that's the one thing I remember that specifically. Um, I kind of remember slight photos of the memorial that is put there as well with all of the names of the people on it. But apparently, something that I thought was cool, on nights where it's really clear, the beams that they put up into the air can be seen from over 60 miles away, which I think is just a really cool way to remember the things that occurred that day and to kind of be a tribute to everybody that we lost in this attack. There was also a pear tree that was known as the survivor tree because it did survive the attack. It was discovered right at ground zero. It was slightly broken and had some snapped roots. They did remove it from the rubble to kind of see if they could bring it back to life. And the New York City... Department of Parks and Recreation did take care of it and were able to recover it. And in 2010, they returned it to the memorial. And to this day, it still sits there and continues to grow at the memorial and the site of where such a tragic event occurred. So that is pretty much all that we have regarding the attack and the immediate aftermath. We do want to take a moment, though, to be able to acknowledge all of those who gave their lives, all of those who lost their lives, the brave men and women that walked into these buildings and never walked back out, and the brave men and women who were on these planes as they were crashing. Join us back next week where we take a little bit different of a take on 9-11 and we start to talk about some of the conspiracy theories that have circulated regarding these attacks and dive into some of the weird ones, some of the, well, they're probably going to be mostly weird ones. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. 
So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.